Welcome to the Better Business, Better Life podcast. Terry DuPont is the founder of DuPont Advisory Group, a group dedicated to providing comprehensive services to successful business owners, medical, and other professionals. Terry has top-of-the-table status in the prestigious International Million Dollar Roundtable, placing him among the top one-tenth of 1% of all professional financial advisors in the world. Terry's philosophy is, I've learned that I grow and prosper more by focusing on the success of others rather than fretting over my own. Terry is a certified financial professional with the Institute of Financial Wellness, an advisor for the power of zero taxes in retirement, chartered retirement plans specialist, certified wealth preservation planner, and certified philanthropic developer. On the podcast, Terry brings together experts in their field who have succeeded in building their business to share their secrets with you. And now, here's your host, Terry DuPont. Welcome, everyone, to uh, this week's podcast of Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success. And I'm your host, Terry DuPont. Today, uh, we're honored and uh, to have Todd Cutler, Cutler, I'm sorry, and Jamie Thank with us. I'm sorry. I said him too. <laughs> you Todd Cutler as well as Todd Cutler. Oh, okay. Let me start over. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. It'll be fine. Oh, well, yeah. They had it. Yeah. Uh, so let me, I'll start over for you. Um, welcome, everyone, to uh, this week's podcast of Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success. And I'm your host, Terry DuPont. Today, we're honored to have Todd Cutler, Cutler and Jamie Heron with us. Um, they are both attorneys with Arnold Gruber and Heron. Uh, located in Canton, Ohio. Uh, welcome to the show, Todd and, and Jamie. Thanks, Terry. Thank yeah. you so much for having us today. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so let, let me ask you, um, can you tell each of you tell me a little bit about yourselves and why you started your career in law? You go first. You let me go first. Yeah. I guess age before beauty. Uh, <laughs> I have always liked uh, standing up for something and I believe just in general that uh, people need good advice during times of, of stress and during times when they're emotionally charged um, I believe the the law still can provide that for people and I believe that I'm one of those folks who can actually give that kind of uh, good advice and good representation to people when they're in these emotionally charged times. And that's how, why I got it. That's why I initially got into it. Okay, Jamie. So mine's m much. It's much more practical than that. Um, my my parents will tell you that I like to argue when I was little, and I think that's every attorney's story. Um, but I got into the, and I, so I always knew this is what I was going to do. I was going to go to law school and become an attorney, but I got into the area. I do a lot of, uh, the transactional work for the firm and that includes estate planning. And the reason I started in that area was because my grandmother had passed away and my mom was administering her estate and she was saying, well, this attorney didn't do this. And, you know, we're waiting on this thing and all of these things were, that were going wrong. And I thought, 
I could do better than that. I could definitely do a better job than that. So that's why I started in, in this area. It's, it's morphed into a lot of different things and doing a lot of different things in different areas. Um, and, and now the reason I keep pushing in those areas and I continue to practice in those areas is because I really um, like to create a positive experience for our clients. It's Todd does all, all the DR work in our firm, all the domestic relations and the family law stuff in our firm. So he is seeing people when they're most vulnerable and, and I'm seeing people when they're, they're planning and, and sometimes they're going through the most vulnerable event that can happen in their life when someone passes away. But if I can make that a positive experience, then I, I, that, that's, that's a good thing. We can give our clients some information, um, then that's a good thing. So they're coming away with a positive experience. That's why I really like the areas that I'm involved in. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and you can share as you want, um, and I'll throw out the question, but uh, okay. what's, what's the biggest challenge that uh, either one of you might have faced this far? Oh, your- gosh, that's a great question. And I bet it's completely opposite right. for both of us. And I'm sorry, phrase that, say that again, the biggest challenge that we face with our clients or in- In your career, yeah. In our career, okay. I'll, well, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? You go, you go first because I, I, want, I want to pick the right story. Okay. And I think that this could be um, an answer in, in kind of different areas of what we do because we work with clients, but then I'm the managing partner of our firm and took over that position in 2022. So there's, there's, it's different. Managing clients and managing the firm are completely different. And they're two sides of a career. We not only have to be good advisors for our clients, but we have to be business people. And the way our firm is structured, our attorneys are business people. They're in charge of their own practice. They're very entrepreneurial. Um, So I would say the biggest challenge for me from a client standpoint in, in general is to convey the right information in a way that's easily digestible. And it took me a long time to figure out how to do that and how to present that to clients in such a way that they walk away going, okay, now I understand. Um, so that was a big challenge. But then from managing the firm and being a business person, that that's taking over that position um, is a is a transition in and of itself and that's another big challenge yeah big biggest challenge for me is i i once had a, a client that wanted to deploy a a scorched earth a scorched earth plan in a domestic relations case in a divorce case where i believed it was entirely unnecessary i mean everyone every once in a while you'll have a an opposing party who's who's either going to be you know somebody's husband somebody's wife somebody's mother or somebody's father and every once in a while you'll get somebody who's truly a bad actor but i had i had one instance where um the further I got into it, the more I was convinced it was actually my client who was being the bad actor um, and trying to 
render render good advice and not step over an ethical line where I was conducting the case in a way that would be not just damaging to my client, but damaging po possibly to his kids. Mm -hmm. That was that was probably the biggest challenge I've ever had. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Because we're not we're not just we're not just hired guns. I'm not just there to simply say, okay, boss, whatever you say. Yeah, well, you're you're, you're still you hold a fiduciary responsibility outside of that client as it relates to other people too. So yeah, yeah. and and a, and a duty to be um, forthright to the court. They they call it the candor to the tribunal, mm -hmm. right? I can't I can't put something to the court that I know is is not true or disingenuous. Right, right, okay. Um, <clears throat> how did you, each of you become um, experts in your specific fields of law? Trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah. So we get we have. Um, three law students and, and we have one that passed the bar. She's sworn in. Um, we're so proud of her. Yeah. And she's, so she's a she's, week old as an attorney. Yeah. And so she's going to go through this, um, this process of, like I said, trial by fire. That's how you learn. You learn by doing, you learn by making mistakes. And we call that experience, you know, right. I mean, that whole thing, you probably went through the exact same process. Any professional advisor does um, where you're learning how, and it's, it's a communication thing. I'm convinced it's yeah. a communication thing, how we communicate with our clients in the best way possible, where it's easy to understand. And then they can take that with them and, and, and repeat it. And, and then carry it forward yeah i would say it tongue-in-cheek it was a lot of mr gruber uh looking at my work and saying so why did you make that choice todd <laughs> didn't have to think about it long and hard right <laughs> right yeah and it's truly i mean it, it truly is that and and we're trained to learn how to think for ourselves when you graduate from law school you have a license to learn how to practice you don't learn how to practice in law school. You don't learn all these practical matters. So when we're training and the way I had learned was going in and asking a question and the first words out of a senior attorney's mouth is, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think the answer is? And that's how, that's how I've been, been training then um, all of our associates. And that, that's how I got to be an expert in my field was just trial by fire. Mm -hmm. And I really, I really like the areas of, of practice that I'm in. I can, I can help a lot of people. Which is, and, 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 and as it relates to you, that'd, that'd be estate planning. Yeah. Yeah. So estate planning, corporate work. Um, so I tell clients I can handle um, their business from startup to succession plan, anything in between gotcha. um, mergers and acquisitions, and then anything and everything to do with real estate. Our our firm is is a corporate law firm, and we can handle. It's easier to say what we don't do. We don't do bankruptcy, debtor bankruptcy. We don't do criminal work. Everything else we can handle. Okay, All right. And I started off as a generalist, and slowly just started building up more and more of my practice within within family law and a boutique practice in special education law. 
uh, my son is on the autistic spectrum. So that was in, that was definitely a trial by fire experience. And, you know, I learned it because I had to first as an advocate for my own kid for several years and realizing how little other attorneys really knew about special education law, I, I realized, oh, wow, I, I know something that other people don't, which I suppose makes one an expert. Yes. Yeah. So That's it, why you're it, here. It's one, of those, it's one of those things that kind of gets, gets conferred on you when you look around and realize you simply know more than others in the area. Mm-hmm. Now, now, are you still working in the uh, education law and advocating for children's rights? Is yes. That's a big part of your practice? Um, it's not a huge part, but it's definitely, it's it's significant. It's you know, probably about uh, 10 to 20% of my practice. And then I also do work as a guardian ad litem, okay. uh, which is very, very directly um, advocating for the uh, rights of kids. I understand. Okay. Excellent. Um what is something uh, that each of you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> oh, I could write a book, I think. Um, so, and, and I tell all of our law clerks and our new associates this, that you're, you go into law school and you graduate, you pass the bar and you think I'm an attorney. I just have to put my name outside the door and clients will come flocking. They don't. Yeah. yeah. You, you probably have the same exact experience. Absolutely. They, yeah. they don't. It's, it's, you have to get out there and get comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you have, um, if you don't like being in groups, if you don't like small talk, if you don't like starting conversations, you have to get out there and do those things because you have to create relationships. This is all about relationships. And the only way to create those is to get up. Todd does not have this problem. He is so good at this. Um, but a lot of, I think, if I didn't know that when I started, I really didn't. Uh, got a couple of additional thoughts. Uh, what, yeah, we, and I'm not sure if you can tell by taking us, we we take the work seriously. We don't take ourselves seriously. So that my 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 big advice to any young professional is, don't be afraid to deflate your ego just a little bit. You can take take your work seriously, but you can't take yourself seriously. Nobody wants to. Talk to that guy or gal or or hire them. Um, the other thing that that best piece of advice I ever got from a from a law professor, um, my property professors, the uh, professor, the late uh, Howard Denmark, of uh, blessed memory, said said to me one time, just a just a random thought after class, because uh, I was uh, clerking for the city of Akron at the time complaining about something. And he said to me, Kotler, remember, every client who walks into your office is going to be the hero of their very own personal epic. And I, I heard it, it registered with me, but I didn't realize until about five years in 
how true that was. So possibly, you know, in, in the all all the law school experience, it was probably the best practical advice they ever got. Yeah, yeah. You, you that translates into you have to take care of each client because they're yeah the the thing that there is most important to them is the thing that you're working on. That's yeah. I mean, and 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 so there's no, and I'll tell I'll tell clients if I have to limit my time for some reason, you know, I'll never say that there's a bigger fish to fry. I say there's another there's another fish I have to fry, and your stuff is very important to me. But this other this other matter is coming to trial tomorrow, or the next hearing is in a half hour, and I have to be prepared for that one. So it's just it's your your stuff is important. I simply have something that's more urgent at this moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I learned it uh, the same thing at an early age, and I learned it as um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And uh, I think that's what you're saying, uh, you know, uh, and it's so true. Always right. I'm writing, I'm writing that one down. <laughs> I'm stealing it and I may or may not give you attribution. Yeah, I, 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 I stole it myself, quite frankly. So, or at least borrowed it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, those relationships are so important. That's true. That's true. You know, um, can you uh, discuss maybe a particularly challenging decision you had to make in a leadership capacity and how you navigated it? Yeah. Yeah, I can. <laughs> We've been through a, a very big transition. Um we came, we were both in practice together. How, when did you start with us? 2014. So okay. we've, we've, been, we've been practicing together for about seven years when you entered your discussions yeah. with. Yeah. So we, we've been practicing together for seven years. Um, and we, I had started discussing a succession plan for one of our attorneys we were a firm of four attorneys at the time. Now, the the question became this this attorney that that we were um, entering into discussions with. This attorney does so much. He's so good. Everything and everything to do, anything and everything to do with real estate and construction defense. So not only the transactional stuff that I do, but the it's not litigation, but it's um, arbitration arbitration so it's just a private i don't know if you're familiar with arbitration it's a private litigation of disputes and it's, it's yeah. mostly construction defense and he's, he's like so the expert, he's the expert in the county right i mean he is the to to the point that for years prior to my joining this firm and to this date um he and jb serve as counsel for our um local area Realtors board. Uh, it's called the Stark Trumbull Area Realtors. So they they provide the guidance for the professional association for realtors in what three counties? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, okay. So so you know I'm I'm saying I'm going to take over this firm as managing partner, but there's only four of us. How do we effectively transition the work? load 
uh, when there's only four of us. We need to be able to serve our clients in the best way possible. So how do how do we do that? So we um, then pretty quickly after I took over as managing partner, pretty pretty quickly uh, started to approach other firms about merging together because we saw that young we younger attorneys coming out of law school. Um, we needed to have, I think, a bigger offering um, from our firm structure standpoint for benefits, for things like that. So, and we couldn't do that as a four attorney firm, but also keeping our entrepreneurial goals. Mm-hmm. Our, like I said, our attorneys are very entrepreneurial. You're in charge of your own destiny. We so kill. exactly. And I know we're not the only firm that does that, but it was pretty unique at the time. Um, so we merged with um, the former Arnold and Associates, now our Arnold, Gruber, and Heron. And so we merged together and we've been through a very intense period of growth um, since that time. And facing the decision of how do we how do we service our clients? How do we do this in the best way possible? Okay, well, let's look at merging so we can grow our support system, particularly in this litigation arbitration area. How do we accomplish that? What are we going to take from this firm? What are we going to take from that firm? How do we mesh these two firms together? It's, it's um, my leadership skills have definitely been tested and there's no, there's no right or wrong. Maybe I'm mostly wrong. Um, I'm not sure, but um, it, it's definitely been a test and it's been, it's been a good one so far. I've thoroughly enjoyed um, having additional attorneys under us um, and join us in, in the additional services we can provide to our clients. And we've really, really built a great core of um, of staff and attorneys okay. at this firm now. Okay. Uh, I have, a, I want to take that another step with you, Jamie, and then I have another specific question for you, Todd. Okay. Um, so, Jamie, I, as I read my notes here, looks like... Uh, uh, you've completed leadership programs such as leadership uh, Stark County Spotlight Program and mm-hmm. Iowa State Bar Association Leadership Program. Yeah. Uh, how have these two programs uh, specifically uh, influenced your approach uh, to leadership and community engagement? Okay, great question. Um, and I would say the um, biggest takeaway from those programs, there's a lot of personality assessments with those programs. It's probably standard across any leadership program anywhere, but that's huge. And there's a reason why it's any in any leadership program, because um, I take a lot of my leadership skills from my dad too. Um, and he was the president of his company before it was sold. And he always said, you got to find the right tool for the right job. So you got to find the right person for the right job. How do you do that? Well, these personality assessments um, are very key. But, and I think I can do that kind of internally now at this point, but the biggest takeaway for me was finding the right person, putting them in the right spot with the right, their skill set, their strengths, putting them in the right spot. Maybe it's a different practice area. Maybe it's, um, you know, if they have a family, finding their strengths and their determination to work outside of unconventional hours, you know, it's, it's using their strengths 
and putting them in the right position to use those strengths um, has been, I think, the biggest takeaway and the most important thing as we've as we merged. Mm -hmm. Did I answer your question? Yes. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Todd, um, uh, your um, volunteer work Mm -hmm. uh, looks like it uh, spans diverse areas like uh, community theater and boards for youth organizations. Yes. These experiences uh, complement or influence your legal work and or advocacy work. That's another great question. Um, well, obviously, yeah, one would one would think that uh, doing theater really would translate into the courtroom, and it, and it would if I did a lot of trial work. I do not. Mostly, I wind up doing stuff that is practicing to the bench. Only I'm talking to a court. Um, so in in that in that respect, I actually have to kind of restrain myself some because. No, no, no judge when he simply has two attorneys before them wants to see somebody bloviating in front of them. Um, but working with the the different volunteer groups that I have uh, put time into uh, exposes me to different to different people, and that's what my practice is like, right? I, I have represented you know multimillionaires in divorces, and I have represented people who are renting and living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and they they all need good advice and competent representation. Um, and frankly, some of my volunteer work is just, it's just fun. There, there's, certain, there's a certain amount of joy being able to meet with other people, give back, um, watching light bulb moments for, for, for kids happen as they, as they learn a new skill. Um, probably one of the best events I ever had was watching a, another volunteer um, who, who will remain nameless, but at, at a Boy Scout camp. His, we, were, we were there with a troop. Um, the kid, one of the kids in this uh, troop had cut themselves. So he and several other scouts come running up to us. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? My friend just as calmly as possible, says says to the group of them, how many of you have your first aid merit badges? So my hands go up. He starts asking him another number of different questions. Well, what do we what do we do if we have a cut? Okay, well, we need to raise it and put up direct pressure. And he he didn't lift a hand and just talk this group of scouts through treating the wound of their fellow scout just by asking a series of questions. Well, that's how we train. That's how, that's exactly how we train. It's, it's the example I give. Um, at, the, at the end of the week, I don't know where somebody found it, but somebody found a, a merit badge or something like a merit badge with a coffee cup on it that we gave to him. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> oh, what um, is something that each of you might share with each and every client. Ooh, that's a good one. I have a very snarky answer, but I won't <laughs> say it. <laughs> um, so something we share with each and every client, um, 
firmness. You like to share. What's that? That you try to or like to share with each client. Yeah. Um, for me, educating clients is big. It's it's huge because again, I want them to be comfortable. But I want I, I always tell clients, I want you to sign these documents, these wills and trusts and things like that because they're good for you. Yeah. But I want you to understand why you're signing. I want you to be comfortable with what you're signing because if you're not, then you're gonna just walk away and go, I don't know what just happened. Um, and, and that's not a good position or a feeling for clients. Um, so something I, I share with each and every estate planning client that comes in is here's the different estate planning options. I explain them in plain English. Um, when they come in to sign the documents, we go through them in plain English. I go through step by step by step my trust. And uh, we try to educate the clients as much as possible while we're there. The other thing that we share with our clients each and every time, you've probably seen those big estate planning binders. They're big and leather and they have, well, we put the information in a binder for the client. I mean, we do that too, but our instructions um, for how to fund trusts or, or what to do going forward are very plain English. Mm-hmm. And that's something we always share with those estate planning clients. Cause again, we just want them to be comfortable. And in that in that respect, that's not just education for the client. That's education really for the client's successor, especially with with the state mm-hmm. planning. You're, I know that you're you're looking not just to educate those folks, but the people who are going to then have to administer the estate one day. Oh yeah, who may not even be the client, but the the beneficiaries. Um, in my practice, I, again, education is key. And part of the education is legal education. And then part of it's just practical education of kind of what to, what to expect with the process, what, what to expect in terms of the emotion in dealing with the other parent. You know, so many times I have uh, people come to me with custody cases. So part of what I'm trying to help them learn how to do is shift from being a parenting partner with somebody with whom you're intimate to the much more business-like relationship you're going to need to have for the next 10 to 15 years while you're raising the kid. Um, and, the, and the other thing that, I, that I've tried to share with them is that, you know, the more you can put into your co-parenting relationship, in terms of understanding and genuinely working with the other parent, the less you're going to need me in the future. You know, ideal, yeah. ideally, I've done my I've done my best work if I make myself obsolete. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, right. Well, right. and it's the same thing with estate planning. Yeah. You know, I have clients that come in after someone passes, and they have a trust, and there's only a life insurance policy at that point, and I'm going. Okay, uh, you know, let me know if you have any questions on how to fill out this paperwork. I will, I will help you, and we'll notarize it all. But sometimes that's the only thing we need to do. But if we've done the planning, then they don't need a lot of me. They need me to help them through that, but they don't need a lot of me. Right. Uh, whereas, you know, probates um, take forever, and they're very expensive, and they're very stressful. It's a slog. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. That's excellent. Um, how do you perceive 
the the legal landscape evolving and what measures have you taken or plan to implement uh, to ensure your firm remains competitive and adapt? Yeah. yeah, I can think of two things right off Go the bat. Go for it. Okay, first is estate taxes. You know, those are going down. Well, the yeah, exemption is going they down. Got to. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had to. It, so to be nerdy about it, right? You mean, you, you, you mean the exclusion amount? Yeah, the exclusion amount is going down. Yeah. Yeah, so we, and, and it has to. It needs the money. <laughs> that's right. Oh my gosh, that's exactly right. That's a, that's what I tell all my clients is is that not only will the government want them to go down, but they have to because they need the money. And we're going to see the largest transfer of wealth that we've ever seen. So that's that's where it's going to come from. Well, part of where it's going to come from. So that's one thing. Um, we are we're constantly monitoring. Um, discussions in Congress, proposed bills, those things. Uh, we will send out email blasts, um, letters to our clients, informing them of the changes. Excuse me, because we have some clients that, that do not have email, you know. Mm -hmm. So we work with all different kinds of methods of communication. Um, the second thing that's going to change, AI. Huge, huge game changer. Huge game changer. It's something that we have our law clerks working on. How do we implement AI to stay relevant? How do we implement AI to assist, not only don't replace us, still need us, but assist in our practice to make us even more efficient than we already are? Um, well, it's a tool. It's like it's correct. like every other tool. Correct. And we don't want to not have that the right tool for the job. We, we want to have the right tool for the job um, and we want to be able to utilize it to, to help our practice and, and really it's helping our clients. That's what our primary focus is, helping yeah. our yeah. 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 The, I have I have two more things. Hmm. Uh, one is what we're doing right, is what we're doing right here. One of the big outgrowths of the pandemic is the ability to occasionally, especially with administrative hearing officers, to do hearings by Zoom or to do it by some kind of video conferencing. Mm -hmm. um, that that I think is is huge. And I think we're going to continue to see that even, even if there's a certain amount of trial work that's going to continue to happen in courtrooms, in front, in front of somebody in a robe. Yeah. The 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 judge, not not like you know, in a robe on a on a Zoom call. Um Although that's happened as well, the second thing, <laughs> the second thing that I think that I'm gonna that we've been working on is um, I've become a uh, Supreme Court uh, trained uh, mediator. Right. Um, I've had probably over seventy hours now of uh, different continuing education hours on handling um, mortgage foreclosure mediations, eviction mediations, and of course domestic relations mediations, including training on screening for domestic violence or family violence uh, situations. Um, the As attorneys and frankly, as clients become more educated on the advantages of being able to negotiate your resolution to your case in a structured and fair way, they're going to want to see that because it's less time 
and less stress than having to um, argue to a judge over every single tchotchke in your house. Um, and frankly, it's better, it's better on the kids if mom and dad can quickly move into that position where they are a united front for raising the kids and simply allocating the parenting time and responsibilities in a way that is um, equitable. Not always equal, but certainly equitable. It's fair on everyone. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, <clears throat> what drives um, each of your passions um, for uh, balancing your legal practice, community service, and family life? And part two, how do you manage to excel in various roles? <laughs> um, I, I suppose our I, family lives are also different. Yeah, well, we're at different stages of life. Yeah, yeah. Right. So this is a really interesting question because because it's similar because I've I've been where you've been, mm -hmm. where you know I was you know sharing parenting with with my kid, and you know and had a new a new family. Um, in, 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 in part, I don't know how I did it. And part, part of it was, I, I think I constantly asked the question, how am I going to continue to balance? And you have to, I think you have to compartmentalize. You have to kind of chunk your time. Um, and sometimes you have to you know, serve two masters at once, right? You know, I do, I do a fair amount of work, you know, from home for the first couple hours, you know, from about uh, 6.30 to, you know, roughly 7.30, you know, even six, say even six o'clock to, to 7.30, I'm pretty much, you know, working, getting things ready for the day at home. Um, and then likewise, later on in the evening, there may be some additional time I'm putting in. Mm -hmm. um, and, that, and that frees me to be available when I need to for other matters. And, and luckily, we're, we're, very, we're very flexible here. You know, it's not a matter of you have to be chained to your desk. Um, it's mostly being available and present. Yeah, okay. Um... So I think the first part of the question was, was what? <laughs> how, how do you, uh, what drives your passion, I should say, for balancing your legal practice, community service, and family life is the first Yeah, part. yeah. And the second part, how do you manage uh, to excel uh, yeah. in those roles? Okay, what drives me is I'm, I, I have to be able to provide for my family. I mean, at a, at a very basic <laughs> level. Yeah, I like to eat too. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we have to, we have to meet a certain basic limit. So, you know, I got to work. Um, but what drive, I mean, I listened to a podcast. I don't even remember which one it was that said, there's no balance. When you're at work, you're at work you're present at work and you're all in hundred percent at work. When you're at home, you're present at home 
and you're all in 100% at home. Well said. Now, yeah, there's no, it, we don't have this, at least not in my mind, that's, that's not how I've been operating the last 13 years. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm committed to my career and that comes with certain things. It comes with me being a hundred percent committed at work. It comes with then if I'm at a practice or a game or whatever I'm doing with my family at that time, I'm a hundred percent there. And I, 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 I'm not saying, yeah, okay, kid. Yeah. And I'm looking at my emails because there's, there's no bound, there's no mixing the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't say never. I mean, I, I do, I have to, like Todd said, and the other key two more points, I think to how to manage that is non-traditional work hours do help, you know, um, having the ability to work at home helps me be when the, when the kids are not there and the, I'm not doing anything with the family at that time after they go to bed or before they wake up in the morning, I can be 100% focused on work at that time. The other key part for me anyway is having a great partner. Um, my my spouse stays is a stay-at-home dad and that frees me to be 100% committed at work for longer um, and earlier than I otherwise would be able to do. I'm very, very lucky. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky. It doesn't happen without him. Right. It, it really doesn't. We would not be in the position that we're in without him. So awesome. Awesome. He's uh, really going to want to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> He's How do you each define success? Oh, I just want, you know, for me, it's not multi-million dollar just for me. If I can keep a roof over my kid's head and and maybe send them to college, maybe, then I'm good. If my clients are happy and my clients say, Jamie was so great, you know, mom, sister, friend, you've got to go see her because she's great. I'm, that's success to me. Yeah. yeah. Leaving stuff better than when it found you or you found it. Mm, excellent. Right. We're... We're all stewards. It comes back to what what drives me. You know, things that, that drive me professionally are the same things that I think drive my whatever pieces of volunteerism I have. Is you know, I like I like serving others. I like being part of something that's bigger than myself, and that that gives me just it gives me a lot of pleasure and a lot of energy. And it's great if I can find things where we're better for my having been part of it. Excellent. Yeah. Good answer. It's a good one. Um, Is there anything you wish to share that we haven't talked about? Not me. No. Not that I can think of. I'll I'll let let you know about five minutes after this is done. Okay. Um, with with the success that uh, each of you have uh, achieved, what is your biggest challenge in that process? What do you think it's been? 
for me, it's always staying out of my own way. Right. Yeah. Um, biggest challenge, yeah, for me, it's 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 just been again, I think, finding the right tools for the right job. Okay. Or for the particular job, fitting people where they they are best, their strengths are best um, used and utilized. Uh, we've we've done a pretty good job of that so far. Okay. I think. Okay, right. the <laughs> yes, and I can't say how happy we are. <laughs> good, good one. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's the biggest challenge. I, I'm pretty much out of questions. Um, obviously, uh, your your contact information is at the bottom of the screen. Um, so, but where can our audience go to learn more about you? Our website. Um, it's aghattorneys.com okay. uh, that has all of our bios and our location. Um, all of our attorneys are are listed on there. And I think our staff are listed on there too. Um, okay. Our LinkedIn profiles are out there as well. Um, but I, I think that's, I don't like social media. That is not my thing. So I'm not on Facebook or anything other than LinkedIn. So that'd be a primary place for me. Okay. Well, uh, you know, we're about out of time here. Um, so I, you know, I want to thank you both for being on today. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I've learned a couple things that uh, I didn't know before I got up this morning. And I, I thank you for that. So um, have a happy Thanksgiving. It's coming up in a few days. Um, yeah. uh, actually, this this is a, a probably airing after th uh, Thanksgiving, I believe, uh, as I recall. So um but uh, yeah, thank you very much uh, for being on. Uh, again, I'm Terry DuPont, your host, and uh, this has been another episode of uh, Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. This has been the Better Business, Better Life, Building on Your Success podcast. If you have questions about creating tax-free wealth and income, forward-looking tax mitigation, strategic risk mitigation, wealth preservation and legacy planning, and advanced financial management, go to dupontadvisory.com or email terry at dupontadvisory.com. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.